Cousin Brian from the Cleveland Schwill podcast back in the house. And he, as usual, keeps us guessing, thinking, and theorizing to figure out a mystery. On this episode, much like the Diotliff Pass episode, Brian brings us stories of bizarre encounters otherworldly happenings, and unsolvable mysteries. But here's the catch. You have to guess if it's fact or fiction. And keep score at home. It's a very interesting game. I had a lot of fun recording it. And it's always fun to get Brian on the podcast because he always brings something different and unique. So if you love what we do, leave a five-star review. And speaking of five-star reviews, I got a new one for you. It's taken me a while to get to read this one, but thank you so much for your patience. From Quentin underscore H, entitled, You Won't Be Disappointed, Five Stars. And it says, I first heard Julia being interviewed on another podcast, and I knew about halfway through that I had found a new favorite. I immediately went to the Cosmic Peach, love the name by the way, and downloaded about three episodes, and I was hooked. I have binge listened and learned so much. Easily one of the most enjoyable podcasts I have followed, and I look forward to each new episode. Julia, keep up the good work and can't wait to see where this takes you. Oh my God. (laughs) Damn. Okay. What an excellent five-star review. I'm humbled and grateful for each and every five-star review that you leave. And ones like that, I'm telling you, it just absolutely makes my day. 
gives me the warm and fuzzy feeling. And uh, I'm not doing this to hear myself speak. I'm doing this to educate, inform, and entertain. So as long as I'm doing that, I feel great. And really, it motivates me to continue to bring the fire. I've included the links in the show notes where you can check out the Cleveland Schwill podcast Instagram and a link straight to the podcast. It's uh, really awesome that there's two podcasters in the family, so you can imagine how our family get-togethers are. (laughs) But yeah, this is a great episode. We're rocking and rolling. If you want to support the show, the link is also in the show notes. Hat shirts, t-shirts, whatever you need, I got it for you. Give the gift of a cosmic hoodie this year. Or gift yourself. Hell, one of the worst statements anyone ever came up with was treat yourself. Because I use it way too often. But it's Christmas time, so to hell with it. Treat yourself to a cosmic peach merchandise item for Christmas. Now, enough of that. It's time to put your best Nancy Drew caps on and let's start solving these cosmic case files. Here we go. it is you are listening to the cosmic peach podcast it's julia your host of course and we have my cousin brian i know you guys love him so much oh my god that's something that your audience and i have in common we both (laughs) love me shut up Yes, I'm in front of a mirror right now, and arrogance is just pouring off of my soul. Shut up, Brian. Oh, I'm sorry. So how, you, how, how are uh, all the, uh, how's everybody in Cosmic Peachland doing? Good? Oh, they're, they're rocking and rolling with us. They're loving every minute of it. And I got a lot of messages about our Diatlov Pass episode. Oh, that was an intense episode. It was very intense, and I think they could. That was a joke too. There's a pun. There was a pun intended. They, oh, I'm sorry. They left the tents. But. Shut up, Brian. <laughs> you and your skeptical self. Oh boy! I think you really split the audience though, because I had a lot of people who who were like, I think maybe it could have been something along those lines about like they broke off. There was separate things going on. And then some people were kind of like, yeah, that could have happened. But I also think maybe the directed energy weapon too. But they loved the intensity of like the research you did, the research I did. And we're coming back at it. We're bringing the fire once more. No, we are for real. And you have kind of a little bit of a game for me and the listeners. Absolutely. I wouldn't have it any other way. We need to have them engaged. I want you engaged. I want to I want to hit on all the feelings today because we are going to go over stories that are on a very broad spectrum. We're not just focused on one type of story today. We have I have 10 different stories and 
when I'm done, I'm going to pause and I'm going to get your interpretation to make sure what your feelings about it are. And if you think it's fact or fake or, and also I want the listener to sit there and think, is this story a fact or is it fake? Because yeah. I think that's a little bit fun. Yeah, I do too. And just to set it up a little bit, what kind of stories are we going to be discussing today? No, th- that's a great question. So there was a show that I absolutely loved that began airing in 1997. And I would think that your older listeners will be familiar with it, but your younger listeners may have never heard of it, but I can almost guarantee that they would love it. And these shows have held the test of time. If you watch them, it kind of reminds me they're shot similar to the way like an early 90s, uh, let's say like, you know, early 90s movies were shot. It just has a certain look that you can't recreate the way it was acted, the way people dress, the way the film looked, the way the backgrounds look. Mm-hmm. They all the every episode has that look. It has that appeal. And you'll and you'll run into actors that you actually recognize from things like Twin Peaks or Revenge of the Nerds or oh, like okay. little things here and there. Which will be like, oh, I think I've seen them somewhere. But the show is called Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction. And it was a fun show that they the first season, a guy named uh, James Brolin was the, the host, but every other season, a guy named Jonathan Frakes hosted, and people are more familiar with him. But it started like it started to like create this little narrative in the '90s where you're like, it's kind of like they wouldn't tell you if the show, or if the story that they just got te- done telling you was fact or fake. You had to wait till the end of the episode. And then he'd go over the five or six stories that they told. And then they'd be oh. like, this one's fact. That one's fake. This one's fact. <laughs> you had to wait till the end. You had to wait till the end. And of course, that meant you had to watch like 16 Pepto-Bismol commercials to get to figure it out. <laughs> you know, you're just sitting there, you're, you're, you don't have any nails left. You just got little nubs there because you're not sure. But... <laughs> I did a, I did a, a little research though, and I want to kind of put a little disclaimer out there because I I tried to figure out on the ones that the show claimed were true stories. I wanted to try to get the actual story behind them, like what is it based off of an urban legend or whatever. The only thing I found out was a majority of the true stories are actually was research conducted by an author named Robert. Traylins, and he was somebody who like really just researched for the show so he would like take hearsay from people or urban legends and then they would say that they were fact so that's not straight fact for some people they'll be like you know what that doesn't sound like straight fact and that might be the skeptic in me but I do want to put that out there because the ones that I could find out information the stories were definitely a little different but they were still really interesting Mm-hmm. And, and the one thing I will say is the stories, if you just like stories, the stories are good. You know, okay. like if you like haunted stories, if you like uh, miracle stories, if you like 
out-of-body experience stories, vampire stories. Oh, I uh, love vamps. Spontaneous combustion stories, uh, coincidence stories, mm. twins communicating from 100 miles apart uh, that they're in danger stories. Like That's the kind of show it is. You know? All right, all right, okay. Yeah. So when when you're ready, I will actually go over a few fun little facts about Beyond Belief, Fact, or Fate. There was only 48 episodes done, but 239 stories total. Um, I already said who the hosts were, but what was interesting is it was very popular in Germany. And they actually recently brought the show back in 2021, but only in Germany. And they're play- they're doing new episodes. And the second host who did most of the episodes, the Jonathan Frakes, is the, the host over there. And they just like use some kind of like interpreter or something and like put little things at the bottom of the screen for the German That's people. So interesting. Like they're gonna bring the show back. It's only gonna be for Germany. Mm-hmm. But they have the same English speaking host. Now all are all the stories in English too? I, I don't know. That I don't know. I do know that all the stories are only about German folklore or written, like the fake ones are written about things that have happened in Germany. Uh-huh. So they're not doing anything from anywhere else. Um, when the show was actually originally uh, being aired in the United States, they'd actually use stories. Like some of the, one of the stories I'm going to go over like does not take place in the United States. Mm-hmm. So they would use stories from everywhere. Um, that is one thing I will say. Okay. For the first story, are we going in order from like craziest to least craziest? No, I wanted to give you a mix. I want okay. I, I want to throw fake ones and fact ones in random order. I don't want to tell you how many fake ones and how many fact ones I put in. <laughs> oh, I'm going to make it as difficult as I can be. And, uh, but they're all, all the stories are like right along those lines of like, <laughs> God damn, like this is some creepy shit. You or, know? or like, no way that could be true. Correct. Okay. And I even remember episodes from the show. Uh, that I did, or like little segments from the show, and I didn't include them here. And you know, if we if we have time and you want to go over a couple more, you can let me know. I I won't remember the stories as well as I remember the ones that I I uh, really researched for the episode. But man, these were these are good. I just love these shows. Have you did you ever used to watch any of them back in the day or reruns? I watched something similar. But it was more like kind of Ripley's, believe oh, okay. it or not. And it was like stories about like, can you believe this happened to this person? Or can you believe about this world record? Or can you believe? Yeah. It was not like what you're talking about. I, I remember heard... that show. Ripley's yeah. was like part of like a Saturday night or weekend lineup right, or Friday Ripley. night lineup or something. Yeah, yeah. So there's also, of course, some of our favorites you and i and our whole family we love our haunted or celebrity mm-hmm. ghost stories oh come on i love that show i know i know so 
Yeah, I watch stuff like that, but never this show in particular. Okay. Well, I want to let your audience know, and then if you ever, you know, feel like watching some of it, there's an app called Tubi that's out there now. It's a free streaming service. Anybody can download it. You will have to watch commercials. They're not, it's not like over an abundance of commercials, uh, but you, every episode of Beyond Belief, Fact or Faked is on there. So you can see every single one. And um, they're also, most of the episodes are on YouTube. So though some of the quality isn't always that good. Like it's really grainy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you'll know you've got it because if, if Jonathan Frakes is the host, he always, they always start with some kind of little like gag. Thing. It's not a gag, but it's like a little gimmicky thing where they're like, if you turn this duck sideways, it turns into a rabbit. That's the kind of stuff that your brain does out there on a daily basis. You know, they're like, he's just trying to like screw with your mind. Yeah. Like, come on, Jonathan. Give me a break. (laughs) We've seen that before, Jonathan. But it's it's a cool show. I like it. So when you're ready, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. When I'm done... If you have questions, I will try to answer them. Without giving anything away. Correct. Okay. So this story starts. I'm not even going to give you the names of the episode till the end. I don't want to give anything away. Okay. Fair. Fair. This episode starts and a woman has been having extremely frightening visions in her home for a long time over the course of a couple months and she's it's starting to give her a nervous breakdown like her husband is done with it he's like this is ridiculous he has to leave on business trips regularly and she's just like beside herself and what's happening to her is they have a a a normal suburban type home downstairs upstairs several bedrooms they don't have any kids but it's a decent sized house and one of those houses that you're going to feel pretty alone if you're stuck in it by yourself you know so every time she goes up the stairs there is a mirror at the end of the hallway right before you or right after like you, you could walk into the two bedrooms so you could see at the end of the hallway and as she approaches that mirror she keeps getting glimpses of a woman <gasps> in these tattered clothes standing behind her, reaching her arms out to her. And the the worst part about this vision is she doesn't see this woman behind her in any other mirror. It's just the hall mirror. And it's the one mirror she has to see right before she turns left into her bedroom. So she's got to get really close to it. And it's driving her so crazy. Like she'll try to cover her eyes. She'll try to walk down the hall uh, with her eyes closed. And if she sees the woman, she completely freaks out, which, you know, her husband's just beside himself at this point because he's like, I'm done with this. You've, you've been doing this for months. So he finally goes, we're going to go to a therapist 
and her and her <laughs> husband goes to the therapist and the therapist thinks it's just a bunch of stress that she's under she's been through a lot you know in her past um the husband's like well then let's just get rid of the mirror this is the only mirror she's seeing this thing in and the therapist is like i don't think that's a good idea because she needs to get over this herself she needs to understand that there's nothing in that mirror and the only way that we're going to cure this is you know to keep that mirror there and her come and confront her own fear well again the husband has to leave on business one night and she's in the house by herself and it just so happens this is one of those nights where there's a major storm outside she's keep the power's getting going in and out she's getting really really nervous she's sitting downstairs she's like should i go to bed should i not go to bed i don't want to go up there and look at that mirror it's just freaking me out she's like i got an idea i'll go upstairs i'll keep my eyes closed and i will take a blanket and throw it over the mirror so i don't have to see it and then i'll go into the bedroom and i'll go to sleep well she she throws that blanket over the mirror and then goes into the bedroom and then all of a sudden like the between the lightning and the rain she hears the window break down and she's like oh god like this is the last thing i need water coming in like it's probably a branch something's broken the window down there she's like but it's still i have to check it out like i'm kind of freaking out about it but, but she's like at least i have the mirror covered well, she picks up the phone to like call her husband to be like I'm kind of freaking out or whatever. Phone's dead. Phone lines are dead. Must have gone down. Goes into the hall and there's a man standing there <gasps> holding a knife and he's like going to kill her. And he runs up and he's the one who broke the window downstairs. He runs up. He grabs her, puts the knife to her throat, <laughs> and the blanket falls down from the mirror. And the man looks up, and she looks up, and that woman standing behind both of them, the dead woman with her arms out like this, and the guy freaks the fuck out, falls down the stairs, breaks through the door runs down the street is gets apprehended by the police two blocks down and this woman's like oh my god i he must have seen her he must have seen her and freaked out so the next day or no it was like two or three days later the newspaper shows up and it's like man who killed you know this woman apprehended at such and such block and the woman that was in the mirror is the one that's on the front page of the paper and he was the one who killed her no the end bullshit that was the attacker's last victim on the front page of the newspaper did she used to live in that house? That's information I don't know. 
And I'm I want, supposed to now I want all contemplate. The, all the Cosmic Peach listeners to contemplate in their mind. Is that made up by the writers of Beyond Belief? Or is it true? Made up. That's what is that your final answer? Yes. It's true. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> it's a true story according to the writers of Beyond Belief. Um get out of here. <sighs> hey, I don't know what else to say. I did do a little uh, aspect on that is I did try to research where that could have happened or what happened, and I couldn't find anything. <laughs> What's the episode? Oh, that's a good question. So it's actually the first episode that ever played on um, for Beyond Belief. It's episode one, season one. And it's the first story that was ever told. And the name of the story is The Apparition. The Apparition. So my question would be, why wasn't the husband seeing that bitch in the mirror? Well, exactly. Why was no one? And then why did he, why did the criminal finally see it? Well, maybe it was like meant for him to see it. That was well, like yeah. a neighborhood he frequented or something. Well, and then that, that begs the question, right? If something like that's true, it, it begs a question that's very interesting. Is this part of destiny? Like this ghost could see that she was going to be the next victim days, if not months earlier. You know, like this is part of de- like, like a warning. Yeah. Cause And I did leave this out by mistake, but um, it did say on there, after that incident, she never saw the woman in the mirror again. I was going to ask you that. I bet not. Yeah. So it was like a premonition. Yeah. Which is even crazier. It is. It's one of those stories that's just like, it, 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 everything kind of falls into a neat little box, you know, it's like just mm-hmm. perfect. Well, let uh, me ask you this, Brian. Mm-hmm. I've said numerous times on my podcast, the difference in someone having just an innate ability to pick up on stuff versus someone who isn't and i always use the example of a haunted house because the wife is always telling the husband i'm seeing ghosts i'm getting raped every night (laughs) (laughs) and the husband's like ah patricia shut it pan it woman there's nothing these cabinets always open by themselves that's what they always say yeah So this is like the classic case of like, she's trying to tell her husband, like, literally, I'm seeing visions of a bloody cut up woman standing behind me in this mirror. And you telling me nothing's going on. Mm -hmm. 
Are you that guy, Brian, by the way? I might be sometimes. Because you're so skeptical about stuff. I feel like if you was living with someone who is really sensitive, most of the time it's a female. And they wake up and they're like, Brian, I swear to God, there's like something in your house. It's watching me sleep. I can see it. I can feel it. There, like, Shut your mouth. Well, the first thing is I would, I feel there's a couple things that I would do. So the first thing is to weed out because I would look at that situation like there's a possibility she's definitely telling the truth, but I also want to try to keep her calm. You know what I mean? I don't want to escalate it being like, Whatever it is that you're seeing, let me just jump right into your Looney Tunes with you real quick and just escalate this to the next level. Rule number one (laughs) for a hysterical woman is to tell her to calm down. I would not tell her to calm down. That's a great (laughs) point. I know enough to know that. I'm not going to say calm down. I would just be like, I would try to be that pillar of like strength where I'm not going to be freaking out on your behalf, you know, like I'm, we're going to try to keep the calm collected. We're going to get through it. I'm sure everything's going to be fine, but you know, there is that point where you kind of realize some shit ain't, isn't fine anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, so you got to use a little bit of logic in there too. Like something big's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Nervous breakdown kind of big. Yeah. Something's going on. Something's mm-hmm. going on and I got to take it seriously. But uh, I wonder no. if he ate his words after the fucking psychopath showed up in the house. <laughs> I bet he was like, I'm sorry, honey. He probably wasn't. He probably was like, yeah, my ass. You were seeing that lady in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I know. I know. And it's one of those things that nobody can prove. But, you know, it's also one of those things when you talk about somebody being in touch with something. You know, just like psychic see visions that people don't see other people don't see if this woman was more in touch with something than somebody else i mean i'm not going to rule that out i'm not going to say it's impossible you know and especially if it's something that she's meant to see and it Mm -hmm. saved your life i agree i i don't know you know i really don't know i i know one thing it is it's a great story um, they're claiming it's true. And I'm sure people have heard stories similar to that. But like it also goes to show you that sometimes, you know, she's terrified of this vision that she's seeing. But that vision was there to 100% save her life and help mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, What's the next stop on our list? All right. So I wanted to go into a different direction. On each story. Here we go. I want to keep them the same. I'm not going to give you the name of this story. And I'm not going to tell you whether it's fact or fake. That is for you and your audience to decide. Okay. So, here we are. We're in California now. Close your eyes and feel the warmth. Now, there's a young high school girl who just recently graduated high school. And she was out, like most kids, that summer, having fun, partying, hanging out with friends, (laughs) doing what teenagers do, you know, not letting her whereabouts be known or sneaking off here, sneaking off there, 
hanging with the guys. She's got a boyfriend. Well, she starts to get sick, and her stomach is, like, freaking killing her. And this was going on for, like, three weeks. She's vomiting. She's hanging out by the toilet. The boyfriend's still coming over, like, holding her hand, saying, like, And the parents come in and they're like, listen, we know you're having sex and you need to take a pregnancy test right now. Okay. You've got all the symptoms of being pregnant and this girl is flying off the handle. She's getting upset. She's like, listen to me. I have not been having sex. I have not been doing the things that you are saying that I've been doing with my boyfriend This is ridiculous. This has got to be something else. I'm very sick. But the problem is now, and and she's like, I refuse to go to the hospital. I just have something going on. Her parents are like, finally, they're like, this is ridiculous. Her belly kept getting bigger. And they drug her against her will to the hospital. And she's still trying to refuse to go. Well, they give her three home pregnancy tests before they take her to the hospital. All of them come up negative. And she's like, I told you, I told you, I told you. They go, well, still, something is freaking going on with you that's that you need to get to the hospital for now. Mm-hmm. We still think you're pregnant, but whatever. And uh, so finally, she gets to the hospital and they discover they're like, they they do like some kind of scan and they see this like large cyst inside her body. And she's like, listen, you're not going to believe this, but I feel movement. Like I feel movement and something's like broken apart or something's going on inside my body. And it's really starting to hurt. And the doctor's like, listen, I, we're going to probably have to move her into surgery pretty quickly. This thing is getting bigger we're not sure what it is. We're not sure if she's bleeding out. We've got to we've got to remove this cyst as soon as possible. It's in, it's near vital organs. It's where it's going to be. So during the surgery, they begin to start removing the cyst. They start to feel movement while trying to remove the cyst. They pull out a fucking baby octopus instead of a cyst. What? Come to find out they think that somehow a fertilized octopus egg had gotten inside of her and began to grow as it could incubate the egg for the octopus. Is this the whole story? Yes. Are you sure? Pretty damn. What did you what is your okay? So the name of the episode is Morning Sickness. <laughs> what was my first clue? The octopus egg. (laughs) 
Oh my God. I love that story so much. So what is, so listeners, fact or fiction? Motherfucker, that's fiction. Going with fake? Fake. You're right, it is fake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I knew it. I was like, that even possible. Dude, that story, man. It had me laughing so hard. You had me going. You had me going all the way to the surgery room. You had me going. The second you said, you had me going even after you said they felt movement. And I was like, (laughs) then you said octopus egg. And I was like, oh, I know. I said, you know what they even said in the show, which made it even worse. I I couldn't even say that what they said in the show, because they're like the only logical explanation. Is that she swallowed a live fertilized octopus egg while swimming in the ocean? I'm like, if she swallowed that, shouldn't be like eating some fucking calamari. <laughs> Just gonna d- dissolve in her stomach acid, like everything else. Doesn't mean she's gonna get octopus pregnant because she swallowed a fertilized octopus egg. They're big too, like a fucking mongoose egg. You ain't accidentally swallowing one of those motherfuckers. <laughs> Well, you never know. Oh, I know. You ain't swallowing an octopus egg. All right, fine. You're not swallowing an octopus egg. Fine. Oh, my God, Brian. Whoever came up with that one needs to go back to the drawing board. (laughs) You know what I would have put? I would have said it was like an unidentified growth living yeah. inside her and they cracked her open and they could feel movement and then they saw something but they couldn't identify what it was and lit, like lead the viewers to assume that it was like an alien deposit or something so, yeah something like that actually that's probably even better like something alien I would, that, I that would actually be more believable than octopus yeah i would have said true if you would have said like and they never could identify what they pulled out of her and then the CIA quickly confiscated the... And shortly day. after, there was a child with straight A's in the Washington, D.C. school district. Shut up, Brian. Five-year-old kid just graduated college. Because you know what that sounds like? That sounds like that movie with Johnny Depp and um, the girl from Mighty Joe Young. What's her name? Mm. Naomi Watts? No, it was, she has Charlize Theron. Where he goes in space and that thing gets into his body and then he impregnates her. And she has those twins, but they're like aliens. I don't remember that movie. Oh my God, Brian, that's a really good one. I'd I'd probably have seen it. The Astronaut's Wife or something like that. Oh no, I haven't seen that movie. That's what that's about? You, you need to see it because it's really good. I just gave it away. But, I thought it was a love drama. That's why I didn't see it. No. It bullshit. It's like outer space. Like they, she gets implanted with some shit. Now, if you would have said something like that came up out of her, I would have been like, absolutely 100%. This 
really happen. And then if you would have said fake, I would have been like, you just broke my heart. But yeah, no. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I had to go octopus for 500, Alex. <laughs> so, yeah, that was such an off the wall story. I had to include it just because I thought we'd get a good laugh out of it. I hope somebody listening got a good laugh out of it. I I got a very hearty laugh. Out of no. <laughs> <laughs> Your movement. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. When you're ready, I got another one. Let's hear number three. For all of those listening, again, I will not give you the title of the episode till the end. And I will not tell you if it's fact or fake. Here we go. So there's a young child. And she knows that the family farm is going under. They've been struggling with growing crops. The the soil isn't what it used to be. It's not getting rotated properly. It doesn't have the same amount of uh, minerals in it that it did before. And... A group comes in to appraise the farm sent by uh, the child's mother. It's actually the kid's uncle, so it's the wife's brother. Comes and he appraises the land and he's like, this land is freaking worthless. And I'm telling you right now, no one's going to make an offer on this land. I did have somebody put an offer in, but it's like for pennies on the dollar. And I'm telling you right now, I think you should take it. I think you you should take it at a loss and move your family out of here and get get while the getting is good because you are not getting anything else for this land. It's basically worthless. And the father of this young girl, he flat out refuses. He's like, my family's lived here for generations. uh, And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to make this land worth something again. I'm not going to just sell to you for pennies on the dollar. I'd rather die here than give this land to you for nothing and then just go die broke somewhere else. So the uncle leaves. He's all pissed off. He's like, this is bullshit. And his wife is like, I don't know if we're making the right decision. We're really, we're kind of destitute right now. We don't have anything for crops. Nothing's growing here. Nobody's going to give us any money for this land. Well, fast forward a little bit to that night, and everyone's in bed, and then the child wakes up, and she can hear two men, like, downstairs talking, and she can kind of make out one is her father, but she cannot recognize the other voice. It's not the uncle. She She's not sure who it is, and... So she kind of like sneaks downstairs to kind of like, okay, who's talking? And she sees her father there and he's talking and there's a man and he's just dressed all in black. And with like the popped collar on like with like one of those leather jackets, almost like a trench coat type leather jacket, collar popped, can't really see his face blacked out everything in black and uh, she can kind of make out her father saying something about like no if you can make this happen I'll give it to you I'll give you anything you want 
I just got to make sure that this place does not go under. And he goes, you do realize what you're signing away. And he goes, yes, I realize what I'm signing away. And he goes, okay, come with me. So she's like really intrigued now. And she sees this man walk out outside. So she runs upstairs to her bedroom window and looks out the window to see what's going out. And she sees a man standing in the field with that popped collar trench coat and her father standing there. And he starts pouring a salt circle around himself. And he gets down on his knees and she sees the other man hold his hands up like this. Like like uh, somebody who's like, um, I don't know, just putting their hands up like almost on a roller coaster, but out in like a Y shape. And a bolt of lightning comes down and hits her father and fucking obliterates him in this salt circle. Like, obliterates him. She, he's laying there. He's done. Not moving. He's not doing anything. And she runs down the stairs and goes outside. No one is outside. No one. She doesn't see anything. So she thinks, did I just make this up? Like, this is ridiculous. So she goes back in the house. She goes to bed. Because nobody's out there. Wakes up the next morning. Father is nowhere to be found. And the mother's kind of looking around like, okay, where is my husband? Like, what's going on? This is... And so the little girl, she's like, well, this is what I saw last night. And they go outside, and the fields have all started to grow crop. And where her father's body was is just a pile of clothes. And it is the girl's belief that she, that her father sold his soul to the devil to allow the crops to grow again. But they never, ever saw the father again. Talk a lot about this on my show. Selling. I know you do. That's why I included it. I talk a lot about it, but they never get evaporated. They kind of die or they're like brought to ruin after they do that. Kind of like what happened in um, Ghost Rider with Nick Cage. Like Another movie I know of that I've never seen. Yeah, so like... He sells his soul to the devil so that his dad won't die from cancer. And he Mm. does the deal and he goes, all right, now my dad won't die from cancer. Does the deal. The next day, dad dies in in a motorcycle accident instead. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Like that got totally dicked over. With the old, like, switcheroo. Like, no, he won't die of cancer. Wink, 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 waka, waka, waka. Yeah. And now you're now you're my slave, and he's going to die tomorrow. Yep, that's exactly. So that's how I usually talk about it. Not so much as, like, after you make the deal, like, you actually die. But could it be so? That's the question. And I'm going to say... fake it is fake i knew it 
It is fake. It is fake because they die in weird ways, but not on that night. <laughs> You're trying to test my occult, Brian. I know, I know I am. I put, I'm pushing that envelope right in your face. I'm pushing octopuses and I'm pushing the occult. If it you begins with O, it's getting pushed. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> but, you know, that's funny. You're testing me. See, I, I, I can appreciate that. Yeah. And if there's any lesson that can be learned from this story, it's I know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> you take it you taking this as a like one of those Facebook quizzes. At the end, <laughs> if you get 8 out of 10, it means you're the grandmaster. I haven't even been keeping track of my score. Oh, my God. Wait, before we go to number four, I need to put my score in. I got so, the first one wrong. wrong. Yeah. And the sec- I, so I'm at two right now. Two out of ten. Yep. Yeah, try to test me on some occult shit, Brian. You're going to get scooped. And I want you at home or while you're driving, I want you to write down... <laughs> i'm just kidding do not write anything down but keep score in your mind of how many of the 10 you get right because maybe you're beyond belief all right (laughs) number four number four i will not give you the name of the episode i will not tell you whether it's fact or fake here we go (laughs) a woman was living for six months and a new home, and just kept redecorating it all the time, because that's what she liked to do. Well, this time, she had a friend over, and they were moving the furniture around, and they were redecorating, like she always did. But they began to have to lift this really large mirror together. And as they're moving this extremely large mirror, they, of course, drop it right on the ground. And the woman goes over to grab a broom and her friend's like, I swear to God, do not even touch a shard of that glass. And she's like, why? She's like, that will give you seven years bad luck if you do that. But if you leave it, it'll only be seven hours of bad luck. And then when those seven hours are up, you can clean it up. Now, this woman was me to a T. She's like very skeptical. She's like, shut up. That's the stupidest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. Why would you ever believe something so dumb? Don't breathe the same oxygen as me. That's basically the comment. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It didn't get that bad. But she's like, no, seriously, you have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> but she didn't clean up the glass. Like something about what she said kind of was like "Mm." and she legit waited seven hours she's like i'm gonna wait seven hours before i touch a shard of this class and clean this up well three hours go by nothing's happened and she's like i knew it this is so stupid why am i even doing this and she gets up she's like i'm gonna clean this up i'm gonna get a glass of water i'm gonna go clean the clean that up goes to take uh, open the cabinet and get a water glass and the cabinet door falls off. The cabinet falls off the hinge and everything comes down and breaks. She's like, oh my freaking God. 
and that freaked her out. It startled her. So she goes over. I, I still, she still has to get some water. Goes to turn on the water, and the water's off. She doesn't know why the water's off. It made no sense. So another two and a half hours go by, and those are the only two things that have happened. But that was enough. She's freaked out enough at that point where I, I'm still not touching that mirror. So there's only thirty minutes left of the seven hours of bad luck. Power goes out. So she goes to light a candle to go downstairs to figure out what's going on at the circuit breakers and fuse box. So she gets down there, goes to touch the panel, gets shocked, drops the candle, starts a fire. Fire is manageable. She's able to smother it, but it burned up like a bunch of paint and a bunch of stuff in the basement. But... I guess, fortunately, it didn't, like, burn the house down, right? But she started this nasty fire, got the smell in there, and she's like, Jesus, I can't wait for this to get up and uh, be over. So she gets that fire under control, blows the candle out, still doesn't have power. So without power, she doesn't have a phone. Two minutes late, or two minutes are now left. A man breaks the fucking window to the kitchen, starts trying to climb in but can't get fully in. She hears him, freaks out. She's trying to pick up the phone. Doesn't work. Knows that the man's now trying to come around to the front door. Or wherever. He's still there. He just couldn't get in that first window. The time of the seven hours ends. Instantly, lights come back on. Water starts to run at the faucet that she happened to leave on. Phone starts to work. Picks up phone. Calls the police. Turns. Man has broken a second window. Climbed in. He's running in the house. Slips, trips, falls on a shard of the mirror. Stabs himself in the heart. He is dead. (laughs) The end. What do you want? Somebody make a movie about this, if that's true. Isn't that the craziest fucking story? I love that story. Let me think about that. Whether it's fact or fake, I love the story the same. They're all children to me. Let me think on that. It's so theatrical. It's so dramatic, I know. It's so dramatic. I'm going true. Why? Because it's so retarded that... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, the name of the, the episode is Seven Hours Bad Luck. So they did a lot of thinking on that one. The name of the episode is Seven Hours Bad Luck, and it is a fact. It is based on a true story. I knew you I knew you were gonna like that one. Can't hold a good man down. I'm three out of ten right now. <laughs> three out of ten. Keep score at home. Cosmic Peaches. Yeah, okay. because this episode. I'm I'm really starting to like try to zone in on my psychic abilities at this point. 
I'm like, wait, just let me, let me, oh. oh. Yeah, these are, they're, they're, these, these can definitely get out there. They can definitely get out there. Maybe number five will trip me up. Okay. I will not give you the title and I will not tell you whether it's fact or fake till the end. Here we go. <clears throat> There's a family run. The name of it is Foster Funeral Home, and it's a family-run funeral business that that people actually live. The house is the funeral home. You know, like the kids live there, and they were very used to growing up and playing around the coffins and playing around the bodies, screwing around, and they would even play in the viewing (laughs) areas when nobody was around, and the parents would, you know, yell at them and stuff, but... They had kids of varying ages, and sometimes the older boy would actually be left home to watch the house while the family would go out. Um, And in this particular case, the older son was actually chosen to stay behind, and the family did have to leave. And so they were taking all the kids with them. And uh, before the family's heading out, there was a funeral that was going to be the next day. And this was for a former war veteran. And they, the phone starts to ring and the father goes over to pick up the phone. And he's like, I'm in a desperate hurry at this point because they're already running behind. And he picks it up and it's actually the wife of the former war veteran. And he's like, or she's like, you have to postpone the funeral for tomorrow. You don't understand. My husband cannot be buried without his war medals he said no matter what he would not be buried without his war medals and he made it extremely clear he was to be buried with his war medals and i cannot find them anywhere so please postpone this funeral and the the funeral director the father's like i can't do that like all the arrangements are made everything's out like everyone's showing up tomorrow i cannot postpone your funeral tomorrow i understand that it's for your husband but like we'd have to make some sort of other arrangement people are going to be here tomorrow whether you want it to be here or not and she's like (laughs) beside herself she doesn't know what she's going to do because she feels like she's failing her husband like and uh he's like i'm sorry i don't know what to tell you i do have to go i have to leave and he hangs up the phone so the 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 older son is now stuck at this house And he's just like sitting down watching television and everybody's gone. And then all of a sudden there's a knock at the door and he's like, okay, who could it be at this time of night coming over? Nobody, you know, like viewing hours were a long time ago, but he gets up, he goes up to answer and uh, there's an older man there and he's adamant. He has to go see the body. And the older son is like, listen, I am so sorry. I understand that you were probably very close to him, but the viewing hours are way past due. And he goes, well, listen, you don't understand. This guy's wife sent me over here because I have the war medals she needed. And I'm going to go place them on the body for the funeral tomorrow so it can take place. She couldn't find them. We found them. I got to get them to you. I got to put them on the body. And he's like, he, the older son knew nothing about this. He's like, listen, I'll, I'll let you come in and put the war medals on there, but you're going to have to leave right after him. My dad's going to kill me if I let somebody in here to, to 
do this without him here. So he agrees to let him in. But before he lets him in, he goes, hey, go ahead and sign the registry here at the the beginning before you walk in. So we know that you came and then that you're putting the um, war medals on there and we have a record of it. And he turns around to the older son and he goes, he does sign the registry. He turns around and he goes, hey, can you please, like, I serve with them. And if you don't mind, can you please give me a moment to be alone? And and then I'll be on my way in no time. Well, the son lets him in there. And then, like, all this time goes by. It's, like, been 15 minutes and he hasn't come out. He's like, this is ridiculous. Like, I, I'm trying to do this guy a favor. He said he was just going to put the wet metals on, come back out. I got to go in there and get him. And and now I got to try to, like, tell him he's got to go. You know, this grieving man. So he goes in and doesn't see anyone anywhere. And he's like, this is crazy. So he's looking around. And now he's starting to call, sir, sir, where are you? Uh, You know. He's getting nervous now because he's like, did this guy die in here? Or like, what happened to him? Like, he's gone, gone. But he turns down one of the pews and he sees the bag that the war medals, that the guy brought the war medals in sitting on one of the pews. And he's like, oh, did he just like get out? There's no other way out except the front door. Turns, looks into the casket. And the man that's in the casket with the war medals on is the man that knocked on the front door and asked to go and put the war medals on the body. And he realizes that the deceased is the one who came to the front door, asked to be, put the war medals on him, and signed the registry with his own name. Oh shit. The end. Oh god. Okay. Do we have any other factoids about this story? Did they compare the handwriting? A lot of times in these episodes, I will say that they say things like, we've had a handwriting expert look at this and it is a match. But in this particular case, they did not. True. What makes you feel that way? You just guessing or are you? No, I'm not guessing. I'm drawing conclusions based on the level of how retarded it is. And if it is, it's a fact. It's a fact. This story. Okay. Okay. Right. All right. That's four out of ten, right there, Brian. Now you think about that. If that's really true. That story, if it's true. How does that make you feel if that's true? Terrifying. But, you know, I think we've had this discussion 
on, on your podcast before, you and I, where I've said, how many people have we maybe run into in our life that might have been a ghost? Mm-hmm. And we have no idea. Yep. I mean... I mean, if they're conducting themselves in a specific way, remember, and, and, and I want to bring it back to another thing that was on one of your earlier podcast episodes. I think it was Jerry, his story of the gas meter, where the old woman yeah, answers the door and lets him yeah. in the house. He didn't even have a feeling. You want to talk about not being psychic. He's got to be on the retardation level of psychicness. That dude had a fucking ghost look him square in the eye and say, come on in. <laughs> and he didn't pick up on it. I know. I was like, you didn't get a tingle. You didn't get a cold chill. <laughs> nothing, nothing. Nothing. Not a chill down his spine. He's like, all right, I'm going to eat a stick his spine. I'll be right down. Don't you worry about one thing. We'll get this thing all fixed up. Now, for the listeners who didn't hear your episode, which if they haven't, they need to go check out Campfire Ghosties. But can you tell the listeners about, like, you were at work one day and they were like, I saw this on the camera. And you were like, whatever. Like, can you talk about that for a quick second? Yeah. So that's another similar story where um, I had asked somebody and um, they were saying, I just saw I can't remember the person's name. It was like Joe something walked by on the camera. I'm like, who gives a shit? People walk by on the camera all the time. <laughs> I walked by in the camera. Like it was just by this giant vessel and everything. And they're like, well, the only problem with that, Brian, is he's been dead for 10 years. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that changes things. Yeah, we were we were at work and uh, somebody had claimed to see somebody walk by on the camera that they knew had been dead for 10 years. That's like one of those freaky little, you know, stories. Now, was it me who saw it? No. Did I know the person? No. But um, yeah, it's one of those stories. And that Campfire Ghost stories, we actually did hit hit some good stories on that one. Oh. It was if people want to hear episodes. more stuff like that that has happened to us or people we know. Mm-hmm. That legitimately is one of my favorite episodes because a lot of those things that you told me in that episode, I had never heard you tell ever. No. Well, my favorite ghost story of somebody that I know we actually talked about on that episode. Yeah, and don't even say anything. We'll I'm not going to say it because you got to listen to the episode now. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, Brian, what's number six? Okay. A man goes to see a hypnotist because he has been suffering with severe claustrophobia for a very long time. And he's trying to solve this problem. He wants to root out this problem in his life, this claustrophobia. The hypnotist is in there and his wife is in there with him. 
So while he's being hypnotized, he starts to describe where he grew up. And he's like, I grew up on a farm in the fields and they were barren and we'd get crops here and I had to work hard and we had animals. And there's only one problem. His wife who's in the rooms like, uh, I don't know what he's talking about. He grew up in the suburbs in Seattle. So the hypnotist looks at him and says, well, what is your name? And he goes, Stuart Metcalf. And something bad has happened to me. And that is not the man's name. His name is not Stuart Metcalf. It was something like James or something like that. So he freaks out as he's in, under hypnosis because he's like, something bad's happened to me. Something bad's happened to me. Something bad's happened to me. And the wife is like, you've got to get him out of this right now. And the hypnotist is like, you've got to come back. And she like does her little thing and he comes back out of hypnosis. And the hypnotist is like, who is this Stuart Metcalf you were talking about? And the wife's like, I don't know who a Stuart Metcalf is. And He's never heard of a Stuart Metcalf, so neither one of them know anything about a Stuart Metcalf. Well, he gets back home, and his claustrophobia just seems to be getting worse. And he's always been an artist, but he starts, like, compulsively drawing now. But he compulsively draws only specific things, like buildings or places and things like that. Now, as they're walking down the street one day, him and his wife... In an area they've never been before, he turns and he's like, wait a second. And he's got his sketchbook with him and he holds it up. And he realized he's drawn these buildings before they're in front of him. His wife's like, this is really eerie. We've never been over here before. Like He's like, I know. I just envisioned these buildings and I drew them. So... She's like looking around and before she knows it, he's like bolting towards this building and he's got to go inside. So she sees him go into the building and he starts heading right for the basement and she goes down there and like this basement is, looks like it's been through the apocalypse. Like there's no floors. It's just dirt floor. There's pallets laying around. It almost looks like a construction site. And the building itself had been abandoned for a while, and you could tell. And there were, like, squatters in that building. It was, like, kind of like a dilapidated building that you probably shouldn't be in, like a lot of buildings you see. Um, so he starts going through rubble in the basement. He starts to turn things over. It's like he's relentlessly trying to find something. And... All of a sudden, he flips over this pallet, and there's a hole, and there's a body there, and a, and a homeless man comes over, and he's like, we've known that there's a body in here. There's been a body in here, and they start going and looking at the, the body, and there's actually an ID bracelet on the body. And it reads Stuart Metcalf. And that's the same name that he kept bringing up in hypnosis. 
and he he looks at his wife and goes, I believe, I think I used to be this man in a, in a past life. And at, they start, they're like, this is just uncanny. So they go to the library, and after checking old newspapers, they discover that Stuart was declared missing one day before this man was born. The name of the story is, Who Was I? Is this story fake or is it fact? Think amongst yourselves. Take a moment. Go over some things. And let me know. I can tell this one's got you. It's not Ah. very retarded. It's almost streamlined. You know what's very interesting about this? While you're thinking, I'm going to... So I do a podcast called Cleveland Schwill. And my last guest, as of right now, I don't know when this will air, but my last guest was a woman who is a hypnotherapist. Her name's Moira Michelle. And we go over stuff like this. She has talked to hundreds of people. And what's scary to me, because you know... I'm a skeptic, but as I'm talking to her, I'm not going to argue with her. This is her belief. This is her practice. She's gone to school for this. She's talked to hundreds of people. I wasn't there for a fight. I'm not there for a debate. I'm there to hear her side of the story. And we've talked about that before. Like you hear, you listen to people, you take in things that maybe you haven't listened to before. Absolutely. So hundreds of people that have talked to her, this is what's uncanny to me. Out of those hundreds, most of them, if she regresses them back, they can tell you how it felt when they were being born. They can tell you about the time they spent in the soul realm before they were born and the jobs that they had, how they picked their parents, their past lives. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, this shit gets fucking deep, Mm y'all. I had a guy on with a similar story. Now, I'm going to say... That what you're talking about and what I'm talking about and what the even one of the guests that I've had on my show is talking about is true. But this story, this story is what about this story? fake as fuck. <laughs> what makes you think that? What makes you think that? It's not very retarded. And it's very much like ABC. This is what happened. Fake as fuck. Okay. The name of the episode was Who Was I? And it is fake as fuck. Damn it. That I don't means- like that. I don't like that you got that one right. Old Brian up to his magic tricks over here. I'm I'm cultivating the name for this episode right now, based off of these fucking stories, and it's going to be fact is stranger than fiction. <laughs> Boom! Because the stories that you've told that have been true are completely- the ones that are beyond belief. The ones yes. that are true are the ones that are beyond belief. 
But maybe that won't hold true for the rest of them. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Okay. Okay. Next story. There, in in uh, older times, like the 1700s, 1600s, they used to make a piece of furniture called a hooded chair. And what a hooded chair looks like is like there was wood that went way up and over like your head and and down to the sides. And what that would do, it protected you from like windy drafts and things that would come in. So they built chairs like this to keep like a protection against you. And that's a real, you know, that's a real thing that piece of furniture that they used to make and they called it a hooded chair. And there was a very, like, a, there was an estate that was inherited by a millionaire and it happened to include a piece of furniture that was a hooded chair from the 1700s. And this was a large commission piece of furniture that was to be taken care of uh, to the T. Don't let anything happen to it. Don't touch it. And definitely don't sit in it. Now, the man who inherited this chair, he's absolutely mesmerized by it. Like, he is like, this is like the coolest chair I've ever had. He wants it in the grand room. He wants it like where all his guests can see it. He wants it where everybody can see it. And he's like looking at the woman who's in charge of the estate. And he's like, I want you to find out everybody who's owned this chair before me. I want you to um, give me the history of this chair. He goes, I know some of the history. And she goes, well, sir, everybody knows the history of this chair. This chair has been cursed. You, you do realize you should not sit in this chair. Anyone who sits in this chair is going to have horrible, horrible things happen to them. He goes, do you think I this was me? Do you think I believe in some stupid curse like that? And she's like, I'm just letting you know. He goes, that stuff is for children. I don't believe in curses. And he's like, this is a 300-year-old chair. I want the long list of the owners. Just do as I say. Well, he decided to sit in the chair in front of her. And he kind of just got like this. He's like, ah, it's just a very uncomfortable chair to sit in. I I don't like sitting in it, but it's a great talking piece. And I I, know what. So everybody leaves. And when everybody leaves the room, the maid's in there the next day. And she's cleaning the room. And she's heard about the chair by now. And she's like, well, nobody's in here. I'm just going to go ahead and sit down in it. Because, you know, that's what maid's going to do. Now, the owner comes in and he's like, seriously, do not sit in this chair. This is not for you to sit in. It's, It's almost not even for me to sit in. It's not for anybody to sit in. That's not what I pay you to do. Please do not sit in this chair anymore. Well, he gets a call two days later that the maid has been hit by a drunk driver and she's been killed. And he's like, okay. And he starts, you can tell, he's starting to feel it now. He's starting to feel it. He doesn't want to come out and say it, but he's starting to feel it. 
So a good friend of his comes in from out of town, and they're bullshitting back and forth about old times. And his friend's like, I really want to sit in the hooded chair. And he's like, do not sit in the hooded chair. That's when you know he's starting to believe it. Because he's like, do not sit in that chair. I'm warning you, do not sit in that chair. I'm not saying that the curse is real. Just don't sit in that chair. I, I strongly object. And his friend's like, listen to me. I'm going to sit in that chair. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I I have to sit in this chair. It's just like one of these pieces that look is just a, too inviting. Sits in the chair. One week later, that friend of his is flying his private plane and he crashes it into the mountains. So now he's really starting to believe this. Okay. The owner. I believe his name was George Talbot, but I could be wrong. I didn't write it down. Now, over that next month, George Talbot's business, <laughs> he was in the steel industry, just starts tanking. He's losing everything. He's like, this is ridiculous. This can't be true. This is This can't be happening to me. The woman that was in charge of the estate finally comes back to him in, in that month. And she goes, I have the information about the old owners, if you'd like to know. And he goes, yes, please give it to me. I, I need to know everything about this hooded chair. And she goes, the chair that you're sitting in that is supposedly cursed is the chair Napoleon sat in right before he went into the Battle of Waterloo which was the greatest military defeat of all time. And he goes, that is so ridiculous. And there's a painting of Napoleon sitting in the chair. And he's just beside himself at this point. He's like, this chair has to go. I have to get rid of this chair. And he said that to her before she left. And he goes, if you leave, I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of this chair. I'm going to chop it into a million pieces right now. No one ever is ever going to sit in this chair again. She leaves the room. He grabs an axe. Dies of a heart attack five minutes later. Never gets a chance to chop the chair up. The end. God. The name of the episode is Hooded Chair. See, now you're bringing actual historical people into it, Brian. I know. Am I allowed to use a lifeline? Okay, what kind of lifeline? Google. <laughs> no. <laughs> Can't be using no Google. Okay, I'm going to use a lifeline. If anybody out there listening is using Google right now, deduct three points, two-point penalty for cheating. <laughs> okay, let me go get my lifeline. Hang on. Oh, shit. I got my lifeline on the way right Okay. Now. Okay. Babe, we're playing a game and you're my lifeline. I'm your lifeline? Yes, you're my lifeline. What up, Brian? Hey, what's up? You got to guess if this story is a fact 
it's fake. That's what she wants to. Okay. Let's see Let me do. give you a synopsis of this story. A rich man buys this unique piece of furniture. It's a chair and it's supposedly cursed and anybody who sits in it dies. And he asked for a list of people who's owned the chair. And in the meantime, his maid sits in it and dies. And then his best friend sits in it and dies. And then he finds out it's Napoleon's chair. At one point. And he sat in it before the Battle of Waterloo, which was the greatest military defeat of all time. Because he died. And then... He's like, all right, I'm going to chop the chair up into a million pieces. Goes to grab an axe. Dies of a heart attack. True. Is that what you guys are going with? says true. (laughs) It's a fact. And actually, that's the story that I got um, extra information about. I was actually able to find some stuff out about that. Once you put in the Napoleon thing, there's just too much information there. Yeah, so this so it's actually based off of a chair called the Busby Stoop Chair, and there was a guy. He was a murderer. His name was Thomas Busby, and before his execution, he looked at the chair and he cursed the chair he was sitting in and said, "Anyone who ever sits in this chair is going to die." And he was put up for execution because he had stolen some money from his or his. Father-in-law had stolen some money from him, and he killed him. Oh, for fuck's Now, that chair has gone through so much, and after this stuff had happened and people kept dying sitting in the chair, they actually put that chair in a museum, and it hangs from ropes from the ceiling, so no one will ever sit in it again. Wow. That's That's crazy. Thank you, Lifeline. I love you, husband. Anything for you, wife. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god I'm bringing the heat Whoa. I'm bringing the heat thanks to my lifeline I'm at 6 out of 10 yeah I, I don't like that you're getting these right shit I almost said not true on that last one thanks for the lifeline though <laughs> <laughs> I only get two lifelines, so... How do you think the Cosmic Peach listeners are doing at home? You think they're right with you right now? Anybody batting a thousand? No, I think that last one fucked a couple people up. It might have. It might have. I have a famous story for the next one. Oh, Jesus. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. It's the famous story of the Balbill River and the man in the designer suit. And this man that was walking the town in this designer suit didn't look too dapper because the designer suit was all ratted up, tattered up. It was not in a very good looking condition. Let's just say that. It was dirty. It was wet. His face was wet. His face was dirty. His eyes were bloodshot. And all he could do was walk through the town and say, they towed my car. They towed my car. And people would walk up to him and say, are you okay? Can I help you? They towed my car. 
they towed my car and they go, well, I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but please stay away from me. Like you're obviously crazy. (laughs) So people looked at him and they were like, this man is nothing but trouble. And no one showed him any guidance at all. Like everybody in that town was like, just stay the hell away from me. You wet, dirty. They towed my car looking man. But then there was a young boy who saw him sitting on the corner of the road. And he comes up to him and he said, well, and he actually heard him muttering to himself, they towed my car, they towed my car. Well, the young boy's like, if they towed your car, I know the auto, the auto mechanic shop that's down the street and I can take you there if you, if you would like to go. And this is the first time that anybody else heard the man say anything besides they towed my car. And he said, my name is Edward. And the boy was like, oh, hi, I'm, you know, Carl. Nice to meet you. And he starts walking him towards the auto mechanic place. So they finally get to the auto mechanic and he says, he, he had him take, he took him to a guy named Wally and Wally's the mechanic. And the mechanic's like, looks at the boy, he's like, what the hell happened to this guy? Like, he's not in good shape. And uh, he pulls him to the side and he's like, why are you even with this guy? Why are you with... He's like, he's my friend. He's actually really nice. He's been very nice and kind to me. Just, you know, it looks like he, somebody towed his car and and he said it's been towed today. And like, and he's like, well, I towed a car out of the river. And he's like, what? He's like, yeah, I, the only car I've towed this week is a car I just towed out of the river earlier today. And, uh, they turn around and that guy, Edward, is banging on the trunk of the car that they towed. And he's like, I have to get something out of the trunk. So Wally's like, kid, please stay here. Like, let me go talk to him. I, he's like, unless you can pay for this tow, I can't let you in the trunk. He's like, no, I have to get in the trunk. I need to get in the trunk. And he keeps banging on the trunk and he keeps banging on the trunk. Finally, the little boy's like, just let him in the trunk. He's got to get something out of that trunk. He says it's his car. He's got to get something out of the trunk. He goes, only way I can get in that trunk is to pry it open. I don't have a key to this thing, you know. Well, he go, Wally goes back, gets a pry bar, and he's able to pry the trunk open. And as he pries the trunk open, they look inside, and there's a body inside the trunk. And it's Edward. And his body is dead, drowned in the back of the trunk. And as they turn around, Edward is nowhere to be found. Uh, the end. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's pretty retarded. True. Is that your final answer? Yes. Fake. Ah! That one's fake.
They should make a movie like that. I know that's a good story. It's a good story. Or like a sh- like a short clip, you know, episodes, but like expand on it even. Yep. Ooh, you got me, Brian Fucker. <laughs> okay. Well, the next the next story probably resonate with a lot of the women listeners that you have, because I'm sure that they've felt this way at some point in their life. And especially those that, that grew up in times before like cell phones or what they are today. Mm -hmm. So there's a woman and she's lost and she's driving alone. So she stops by a a small diner to get a cup of coffee and try to read some maps. She has a map in her car. She wants to read the map, figure out where she's at. She's at the diner. She's drinking coffee. And in this diner, they had a pool hall. And there's bikers in there. And a biker from the pool hall approaches her and asks if she needs help or if she's alone. Like, are you alone? You need help, young lady? You know, you need, what do you need? And she's like, I'm fine. I just, I need to get going. And he's like, well, I'll pay, I'll pay your check. I'll pay for your coffee. And she's like, no, I, I'm leaving. She declines the offer. I need to go. I definitely need to go. And she was like freaking out on the inside, but she gets up, she calmly leaves, but she's paranoid. She totally feels like she's being followed. And like, we've all had that feeling before where you feel like you're being followed. Like that's, Especially like women are, have that intuition, you know, like so, somebody's watching me, somebody's following me. Like men have it, but I think women have it even more. Right? And she's totally feeling it. So she quickly gets into her car and begins to drive. Well, as she's driving, she sees somebody like approaching quickly in her rearview mirror, and it's a semi truck. And the semi truck is blaring the fucking horn as loud as it can speeding up on her and putting its brights on then it gets really close and backs away really close and backs away she's like just leave me alone leave me alone Jesus Christ leave me alone and she has a car phone in the car but it's not a place where she's really getting a good signal she doesn't really know where she's at horn's still blaring brights off and on, off and on, and she's even having trouble seeing at this point. She pulls off to, to the wrong part of the road. She's not in the, but finally gets a hold of the police, like, is able to get on with 911, and she's like, this is the road I'm on, this is the direction I'm traveling, there's a crazy man, legit driving behind me right now in a semi-truck, I don't know what he's doing, he's blaring his horn, he's approaching me, he's like trying to Take, take me off the road and his brights are on well she gets forced off the road by the semi and she can't get her car started it's stuck and that guy the biker from the diner gets out and he's holding a shotgun and he starts approaching her window and he's screaming at her get out of the car lady get out of the car now get out of the car Hurry, get out of that car right now. He's screaming at her, shotgun pointed right at her. And she slowly gets out of the car, hands up, 
and then he points the rifle or the shotgun to the back seat. And he says, you get out of the car right now. Get out of the car. Hands up. I want to see your hands right fucking now. Put your hands up. And the back seat of the car opens and a man gets out of the back seat of the car holding a knife that was in the back seat of her car the entire time. And he says, drop the, drop the knife or I'll blow your fucking brains out right now. He drops the knife and the police, and he keeps the shotgun on her, on the guy until the police arrive. And it was a serial killer who was going to split that woman's throat if he wouldn't have put his brights on and driven behind her. He hap- the biker happened to see that guy slip into the back seat of her, of her car as she was leaving, and he did everything he could to catch up, put his brights on so he, he wouldn't kill her. The end. Let me put my best detective hat on right now. I'm going to profile this story. The name of the story is Bright Lights. Well, she would have been seeing some bright lights if she was shot out of the car. Yep. Let me. Where was she at to meet the truckers again? She had stopped by a diner because she had gotten lost. So she just pulled over to the diner um, to uh, read a map, get a cup of coffee, figure out where she's at, where she's got to go. But she's obviously a woman of means because the cars with phones in them weren't just for uh, Mary Jo working the lipstick counter. Yeah, so you could get a car phone back in the day that would plug into your cigarette lighter. But the, the, the cost of them was astronomical. Not the phone. Well, the phones were expensive. But, like, the cost per minute was, like, outrageous, you know. And the cars with phones built in were outrageous. Yeah. Which is why in 16 Candles, when he's like, yeah, you can borrow the car. It was like a Rolls Royce or something. It had a phone in it. And they just thought that was so amazing. So, we're talking about this rich lady. Ain't got her man with her, driving her where she needs to go. Some rich lady is out driving by herself, stops at a diner, doesn't feel like it's below her to eat at this so-called trucker stop. I'm going to say fake as fuck. Look at you with your little deduction skills. I hope you're wrong. By the way. Well, you know if I am or not. Time to pay the fiddler, Brian. Am I a good investigator or not? That story, for all you cosmonaut peaches, is fake as fuck. That story is as fake as my leg. (laughs) Oh my god. Oh. I've seen baloney that looks realer than that story. Uh, that pisses me off that you got that one. I thought that was one that you definitely think was real. I but know, you, Rich. You deduced it right. 
I know rich ladies and they ain't fucking around at no truck stop and their man is always with them. Actually, her man bought her that car, so he ain't going nowhere and letting that dumb biatch drive his car around with that car phone in there. (laughs) No, you ain't driving that car around. You never drive nowhere. You gonna wreck my car. So, what are we at? Number eight? Isn't this nine? Oh, that's right. I missed two. Okay, okay. So, this is number nine. What I'm giving you is nine, right? Okay. The second to last story I have for you. There was a, a, a stonemason, a stone carver, and he was a man who carved headstones, and he'd been doing it for 40 years. He'd done hundreds of them for hundreds of different families, and he literally treated his work like art. Like, that's what he did. Like, he carved things into stone. And a woman customer came to him to pick out a headstone for her late husband. And her late husband's name was John. And this woman definitely came from money. A lot of money. You could just tell by the car she pulled up in, the clothes she was wearing, the way she probably acted. Probably had a phone in the car. Probably, had, probably just left the diner. Um, and the true story of bright lights. And she picked out the simplest headstone she could for her late husband. As simple as it could be. She said, I just wanted to say his name John, the year he was born, the year he died, and I want it to be made out of cement. And the stonemason was like, listen, I I know I understand, you know, but you know, you may want to put something in marble or you may want to, you know, use something different than cement. I mean, I know it's our cheapest, but, and she's like, listen, I want it to be extremely simple. I want no words on it, just his birth date. I want his death date and I want his name. That's exactly what I want. I want nothing more. I want nothing less. Well, he's like, okay, ma'am, that's fine. I will make it that way and I'll make it, you know, as cheap as, as you want. And he started to make the headstone because the funeral was just in a couple days and he needed to get it done. So as he's basically almost done with it, a man showed up to see the stone cutter and the man claims that it's, she, he's a representative of the wife and said, listen, she's had a change of heart and she wants the most elaborate model that anyone can buy from you he she wants it to have pillars she wants it to have engravings she wants it to be made of marble and he's like well i'm sorry i mean i have already completed this work and i and he goes listen i'll pay you for the work you've already done but this is the headstone that john wants and that she wants for john she's changed her mind and he's like, if you get it done before the date, there's also a generous bonus included in there for you um, and spare no expense. And I will approve everything. And he sat there and actually waited for this to be completed over the course of a few days. Came every day, watched the process, gave his input, everything he wanted to put into the headstone. Well, the stone cutter was like, this is the best work I've ever done. 
Like I've done, I put everything into this. This is my 40 years of practice because I'm going to this funeral. I want to see the unveiling and the looks on everyone's faces at this tombstone. And he keeps looking around for the man who approved it. He's like, this guy was stayed the entire time. And I don't see him anywhere at this funeral. And he's supposedly a representative of the wife. Well, they go and they unveil the, the, the tombstone. And the wife gets up and she's like, what the hell is this? And he's like, what you wanted? Your representative showed up that you told me may show up and showed up and changed everything. I put together a new contract, signed the contract, paid me, like all the money's there. Everything's done. I thought you were going to be extremely pleased. She's like, I didn't authorize any of this. I didn't want any of this. The only representative I have is standing right next to me right now. And he's like, I don't know who this guy is. So then he looks over. And the man that came to visit him and approved all the changes is on a picture. And he's like, that's the man that approved it right there. And she goes, that's my dead husband. I knew it. And then they check the contract and it is signed by the dead husband. But the date has been changed three days prior to his death. The the contract had to be fully honored and he was paid in full. For the work. Uh, Epitaph is the name of the episode. Is it fact or is it fake? Fact. Fake. Fuck you, Brian. (laughs) Oh my God. I was on roll. I wanted that one to be real, too, because that was, like, such a cool story. It's kind of similar to the story of the war maps, so you kind of want it to be true. In this fake story, the wife killed him, and he's getting because she killed him, and she don't even want to put no effort into his headstone. Took his money. Yeah, and he's like, Oh, you thought you were going to take my money, bitch? How about a $6 million headstone, asshole? I know. Yeah, they actually said how much the headstone cost, but, like, the show came out in 97. I'm not, like, going to tell. They're like, the tombstone came to 55000 I'm like, in today's money, that'd be 155000 for that right. tombstone. Right. So, in this fictional story, the wife would have killed the husband. Let's just say the wife did kill the husband because it's pretty obvious and we know that it's fake and that we can make it whatever we want. All right. Since we're making it whatever we want, she also did like a little Elena Bobbitt moment. Nice. Yeah. That's my worst fear. Mm-hmm. Watch oh. out, Brian. <laughs> Don't worry, I don't even have uh, Lorraine and Bobbitt to worry about right now. So all right, but I don't have to, I don't have to worry about that problem. Well, I do have the women that sneak into my room that we talked about on my podcast that one time. They, that I call the police and they uh, they don't listen to me and they just hang up on me about it. Well, but, see, see, 
see, Brian, you're going to mess around and you're going to get a girlfriend that's seen ghosts in your house. And you're going to be like, calm down. There's a logical explanation. <laughs> and she's going to have a nervous breakdown and Elena bob at your ass. <sighs> and then pay 50 cents for your headstone. She better at least pay 50 cents for me. I don't know if I have 50 cents to give her for that headstone right now. I might have to, <laughs> might have to start saving up for that. Can you at least afford a car phone? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Hit me with the grand finale. Slam. The grand slam pajama. Yes. All right. The last story. There was a woman and she was traveling. And as she was traveling, her her mother kept getting like sicker and sicker. She was getting progressively sick. Like at first she just thought it was a cold, but then it started turning into something a little bit more severe. You could tell like fever was setting in. You could tell that she was getting weaker. You could tell that like she wasn't going to be able to walk. So they're like, we need to stop at a hotel. And I need to like, let you lay down for the night and we're going to get this figured out and we're just going to have to take care of it. So they go in and, and they go to see the guy behind the counter and they're like, can we get a room? And he's like, well, we're pretty much booked up right now. Um, I don't think I have much. And she's like, listen, my mother is extremely ill. I don't know what I'm going to do. Do you have anywhere? I don't care if you like set up a bed out in the hallway that she can just like, we'll pay you. He's like, I do have one room that we could probably put her in, I guess. And it was room 245, 245. She goes, thank you. I'll take it. I need to get in there as soon as possible. So they, her and her mother go into room 245. He gets, she gets the key, <clears throat> open the door. Mother lays down. She goes, listen, mom, I'm going to try to do my best. I'm going to find a doctor. I'm going to try to figure something out. Goes back up to the front desk and the concierge is there. And she's like, um, do you know of a doctor or a hospital or somewhere we I can take my mother? She's extremely ill. I need some. And he goes, no, there's actually a doctor staying here. And he's he's right over there right now. It's, it's Dr. Barron. Would you like Dr. Barron to come, you know, look at her? And, and maybe he'll agree. And you can at least write her a prescription or something. He's a medical doctor. And uh, Dr. Barron does agree. She sees him in the in the. Uh, I don't think they call it the waiting room, but it's like just a in the lobby, the hotel lobby there. So Dr. Barron goes in and is like, she's suffering from some severe bacterial infection. <coughs> um, and this fever is only going to get worse. She's going to need medication. I can write you this prescription for a medication that can at least get start to get this thing under control in the next couple days, but she's going to need to stay here for a minimum of three days. And the daughter was like, oh, God. Well, at least I got something. Grabs the prescription. 
He's like, Mom, I'll be back as soon as I can. I got to find a place to fill the prescription. I'll come back. Goes up to the concierge in the, in the hotel lobby. He's like, yeah, there's a pharmacy about a mile down the road. You can fill the prescription. Come back. She goes down, fills the prescription, comes back, and she sets the prescription on the counter. It's like, I think I've left something outside or I dropped something. I'll be right back. Can you watch this and hold on to this for me until I get back? My mother's going to need this. This is medication for her. Goes outside, literally picks up what she dropped, which was like something stupid, like a pen or something. Legit turns around, walks back into the hotel. The concierge is there. Goes, hi, ma'am, can I help you? And she goes, yeah, where's that prescription I just left on the counter? He goes, what prescription? What What are you even talking about? She goes, I was legitimately just in here one minute ago and set a prescription down. And I asked if you could watch it for me. While I went and grabbed something that I just dropped, my mother's sick and she's in room 245. He goes, ma'am, that's not funny. Nobody's in room 245. Who are you? What do you want? Do you need a room? Do you, like, I don't know who you are. I've never seen you before. She goes, I was just in here one minute ago. And then Dr. Barron's walking through the hotel lobby. She goes, Dr. Barron, he doesn't know who I am. I just got that prescription filled that you asked me to fill that you wrote for me for my mother's bacterial infection. I got it filled at the pharmacy down the, down the hall. They've lost it, and he's pretending like he doesn't even know who I am anymore. And Dr. Barron looks at her and goes, I've never seen you before in my life. Who are you? And she's like, what the fuck is going on? She goes, I need to go see my mother. My mother is in room 245. At least take me to room 245. And I can get try to find another doctor and get another prescription and get my mother. He's like, I'm telling you right now, no one is in room 245. That room is empty. She goes, I just came from there. I just saw my mom two hours ago from there. Storms up the elevator, brings him with her, gets up to the room, goes to take her card out to put it in the um, the door to open the door to get into the hotel room. And she's like, well, my card seems to be missing. I don't know what's happened to it. And he goes, well, I have one. Why don't we go ahead and open the door? Concierge puts his card in, opens the door, goes into the hotel room. Not only is it empty, but all the furniture is completely different than what she had just seen two hours before. And her mother is nowhere to be found. And the reality of this situation is she never (laughs) saw her mother for the rest of her life. The end. I'm speechless. The name of that story is 245. Room 245. Hang on a second, Brian. (laughs) I'm flabbergasted. I love that story. I'm gonna go 
through and hope that that bitch was just on drugs. That story is true. I knew it. She was on drugs. I think it's based off of a story that happened in early 1900s Paris. And that was about the top amount of information I could get. But the woman legitimately never saw her mother again. Cause she, cause her mom was already dead. Cause she was stripping on acid or something. Who knows? Oh my God. And can you imagine like your poor little mommy? Like where are, where is she? I would be f- beside myself. I, me too. Like what That's- are you even? And, you know, the reason I say she was on drugs is because I can't fathom that happening to me and not being on drugs and trying to explain to someone what happened and looking at their fucking face as I told them what happened. And then on top of no one believing you, you still don't have a mom. Yep. Even if you believe that 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 you lost your mom, you're going to grieve it. Mm-hmm. You believe you had that relationship, so as long as you believe it and you have memories of it, and it, then it existed. Mm-hmm. In some form, it existed. Mm-hmm. So whether oh, she's crazy my. or not crazy, she's still going to grieve it. I wish I could dig up more info on that. Same. I, you know, it, it, I really did take as much time as I could just for your listeners and you and everybody else to, to really give as much information as I could find, because like even some of these stories, especially when they say they were true, I'm like, well, I want to know more. That's how I got the story of the chair. But most of these, that's why I put that little disclaimer out there. It was just that one writer for the show. He was an author for the show and he would go and find like some hearsay stuff from somebody or, something similar to that and then next thing you know they just call it fact well there's not much information other than that out there but you can deduce based on the napoleon chair that at least they're doing their research Mm -hmm. so if that story is true and we can like go and look up pictures of this chair and know that it's in the fucking museum then you almost have to wonder like okay so if they're saying these stories are true then they're probably like 90 percent true when i looked up i tried to find that painting that they showed on the show of napoleon sitting in the hooded chair i found some paintings of napoleon sitting in specific chairs before the battle of waterloo but they weren't the hooded chair i couldn't find the hooded chair painting um i did find another chair that he sat in before the battle of waterloo which made me start questioning how many chairs did this motherfucker sit in before he went to the battle of waterloo but um but does it make you wonder how you saw pictures of the chair that's in the museum yes which doesn't look like a hooded chair but 
there is a chair. And if it was the chair, if it is the Busby chair, or the, then, you know, they may have taken some creative liberties calling it a hooded chair or making it a hooded chair, but there is a chair and it, people did own it and people did die from sitting in it. So Now, you can take my score, 8 out of 10, and my investigation skills, intuition, and badassery. Mm-hmm. As I was probably right about the Diatlov Pass. I was going to say that we should subtract three from your score, but. Why? Just because, I mean, I think a lot of it was, I, the you could see my mannerisms and that gave it away. No, you are not going to take this win from me, Brian. <laughs> you hater. You I am totally drinking haterade over here. Are you kidding me? You thought I wasn't gonna investigate each and <laughs> every story that you told. Oh I don't even know what to say. Actually, really I think you did a really good though. job. Actually, I think you did a good job. Somebody yeah. wants to hire me to look for missing persons. They should. That was a good um little I thought that was great. I especially little, love playing games and stuff. Yeah, I wanted to add that element because that's what the show was all about. Mm-hmm. And that's what, if you, you watch that guess. show, that's 100% the way it's going to be. They're going to mm-hmm. see every episode's five, about five little stories. Every story is about seven to eight minutes. Mm-hmm. And um, they're all along the lines of what I just read. You know, you can see the the variants there, but they're all those type of stories. They're they're they've got those little plot twists that you really like to hear, or those those not so known stories that are did a ghost do it? Or I mean, there's stories on there where ghosts have killed people. Oh, and I believe that shit. Oh, it, possessed people. There's two stories I, I kind of want to bring up, and I won't go into them in, in full detail. And you, you got your listener should kind of look them up. But there was one story where there was a guy who, in the mid '90s, really, really wanted to find, be the first one to get footage, film footage of a ghost, and prove it. Brought a psychic with him everywhere he went. And had a film crew, but they were shooting on normal film, like film reels, 24 frames. And she's like, they're coming down the stairs right now. And there's a ghost and he's literally strangling another ghost down the stairs and killing her and, and choking her. And the psychic's like, and everybody there could see the apparitions coming down the stairs He's like, I'm getting it on film. I see it. I see it. I see it. And the psychic's looking and, and, and picking up on the energy. And the psychic's like, he's not happy. He is not happy with the fact that you are filming him right now. He does not want to be filmed. And you see the ghost look up and they're all like, we see the ghost. He's he's looking up at us. He, he can see us. And he's like, fine, fine. Cut it. Cut the cut the." Cut the footage. We're done. We're done. We've got what we need. We're the first people to gather true 100% evidence of a ghost. 
killing another ghost. And uh, he's like, we're not going anywhere till this film's developed. I'm going to go get this film developed right now. We're going to get it out to the scientific community. We're going to show them what I found, that this, that life does exist after death. And uh, he, he goes, nobody leave till I get back. Nobody leave till I get back. Gets into his car or heads out and like three hours go by and he hasn't gotten back yet. And he was just going to go develop the film. And uh, they're like, we got to go. We can't just be sitting here all night waiting for him. Something's obviously happened. They go outside and the car door is open to his car. And they're like, is he just sitting in his car? They go out there. And the film that they had taken of the ghost killing another ghost the whole film roll is wrapped around his neck and he's been choked to death sitting oh, in his car. Guess what? Real. That one came up as fact. Oh my God. Nah. uh I'm not even fucking joking. That's so like, I guess that's why they called the show. I mean, that's so Belie- beyond belief. I know yeah. it's beyond belief. And those are the type of stories. Is it a fact? Hell if I know, right? What's it based on? What, what happened? They do know that they found a dead body there and the police ruled it up as somebody came to steal from him and then just choked him with the film. Real. I'm like, Killers, they might get creative, but if it's an opportunistic killer, they're just going to kill you with whatever they're going to do and then they're going to rob you. They're They're not going to be be all specific with this film reel. No, fuck off. No way. So that'll give the listeners some ideas of stories to look into on their own time. Or just go watch the show. Yeah, watch the show. There's plenty of uh, stories like that. 200 and some episodes. Yeah. And, and, well, 200 and some um, like little stories. I think it was like four, yeah, 40 yeah. some episodes. But just like you're saying, um, I just know that that's right up your listener's alley. It's oh, right up yeah. my alley. Investigation stuff, creepy paranormal stuff. But I mean, speaking of shows. Okay. Can you tell the listeners what's been going on with the Cleveland Schwill show? Yeah, well, Cleveland Schwill, we've now put out 11 episodes. And I have a little variety of everything. It really does take place. Everything I do takes place in Cleveland. But what I've realized is Cleveland's like a little world in itself. And we basically just got everything that's going on in the rest of the world. Um. I have a woman, or I just interviewed a woman. Her name's Moira Michelle, and she's a hypnotherapist, and she talks about everything. She talks about the soul realm. She talks about reincarnation. She talks about, she does hypnotherapy to heal people. But what I thought was really cool is that she wants to heal people from the root. That's what she calls it. She goes, people come in and say, I want to quit smoking, or I want to quit drinking, or I want to, and, and she's like, what really happens is 
Sometimes that's somebody's only problem. They're a smoker, but other times they've been smoking, drinking, doing drugs, getting themselves involved in relationships they've had no business being in because of a past trauma. She goes, I want to find that past trauma. I want to remove it from the root. And she goes, what's crazy about that is it's like ripping a plant out from the root. When you rip that plant out from the root, she goes in one or two sessions and I've, and I've healed people of five different things because we've cured what's causing it all. That one trauma that makes you want to smoke, that makes you want to drink, that makes you want to be, feel like you're not good enough for other people. So you deserve to be in like an abusive relationship or something like it all can be healed from just getting it. I was like, that's so relatable for so many people. And you know, it's, I love that. I love that. It makes me want to do a zoom sesh. Yeah, she does Zoom sessions with anybody from all over the world. She says she does love to see people in person, but um, she's located in the Gordon Square area here in Cleveland, and they do, like, breath work. Just everything that we talked about was so cool. And I did a Halloween episode with you, which is a great one, because we we did some uh, deathbed confessionals on there, but I know your listeners already heard of, damn it. Um. And we did a Halloween episode where I go over all the different um, little hauntings that were here in Cleveland and uh, some Lake Erie monster stories. But I'm like, so surprised you didn't mention the Madison Seminary. Well, there's so many stories. That's the thing. Like people kept asking me, why didn't you mention this? And I'm like, because Halloween's going to come again in 2023 and I'm going to need something to talk about. <laughs> Okay, got to save the best for last. All right, um, that's true. I know. I, I get. I need. I can't give it all up in one episode. But I mean, that one went for an hour and a half, and it was fun. And Dave's my co-host, and and he's on a lot of your episodes, and mm-hmm. um, the a lot of your listeners probably know Dave. So we just sit down, we just talk about things going on in Cleveland, make a lot of jokes. But most of the stuff we talk about is actually relatable to other parts of the country. It's just we're kind of focused on Cleveland. So, yeah. But if, and this has happened, you know, people who listen to my show have found you and we're from the Cleveland area and they find it highly interesting. I love that. If for any reason someone wanted to reach out to you. Yep. Check out your stuff. Where can they go to find the Cleveland Schwill podcast? Okay, we are right now on Instagram at Cleveland underscore Schwill. And uh, look us up. I mean, if you just looked up Cleveland Schwill, it's going to come up. And uh, I'd love to hear from people. I love to hear from anybody. I don't care where they're from. And especially if you live in the Cleveland area, like we answer everybody that that comes and talks to us because we're just normal people living a normal life just like you that are just looking for interesting stories so we're more than willing to talk and uh i also have uh cleveland.schwill and schwill is s-c-h-w-i-l-l at gmail.com if you want to use an email to talk and reach out um it's not as fast as the instagram but i do get back to people as soon as i can uh, with that, and um, we're on all platforms. Cleveland Schwill is on all platforms that I can think of because I only know like five. <laughs> so, so, 
If you're on those five Cleveland Schwill, the yeah, Cleveland Schwill, it's on Spotify. It's on. Um, it's on Apple, iHeartRadio. It's on Apple. It's on uh, Google. It's on yeah. Amazon. Uh, you know, all so the it's best places. All the big, all the big boys, mm-hmm. all the big boys. It's on Spotify, and yeah, give us a listen if you if you get uh, if you're getting a little hungry from for some new content because we do have all sorts of things, and I actually really do, honestly, and I want to tell your your listeners this and I know you do the same thing I truly try to take as much time as I can to research anything that I'm going to talk about I try to give you the best information I can possibly give you in the most entertaining way I can give it to you so yeah give us a shot and I feel like if you do in it and you take in the time and you're hustling the listeners know that and they can feel the realness I know, I know, because you can tell somebody just bullshitting their way through an episode and then somebody who's trying to... It's like, you're not interesting, and then you have no show without a guest, and I I don't fuck with that either. Like, you need to be able to do, do episodes where you've looked something up and have something to bring to the table other than just, I'm a personality and you should listen to my show that has the same 17 guests as every other show because you just like to hear the sound of my voice. (laughs) Uh, No, (laughs) I'm sorry. And you know what, though, when you go outside the box and you think about your, and you put yourself in the place of a listener, I try to look at myself as like, would I want to listen to that? Would this be interesting to me? That's how I think about certain things. And I know that every topic I cover isn't interesting to everybody. But I think it's great. And I think you're doing a great job. Yeah. And it's only getting better all the time. Um, And just like your show, you know, it's like you just learn from everything. You learn from everybody and you just keep going. And uh, I, I appreciate everybody that reached out about me on, on the Up of Pass episode. I, I want to thank you. Uh, I, I heard you did like that episode, and I actually put a lot. I poured a lot of time into that. I poured even more time into this one, to be honest. And this with you. one is just as good. If not, Dude, I poured a lot of time into this one. People at work were like, "What the hell are you writing down?" <laughs> I'm like, "Don't you mind your business, okay?" There, there's no. somebody just towed my car. Okay, don't worry about it. Thank you so much for coming on. It was very entertaining. Good. And you did really well. Thanks thanks for having me. I appreciate thanks it. For bringing me the game. So, with that being said, thank you so much and to all the listeners, thank you and we will catch you on the next one. Don't speak no explain.